This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on Business Radio. Welcome to Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM channel 132. This is your host, Dr. Dawn Graham, and I lead career coaching for the executive MBAs at the Wharton School. I'm also a licensed psychologist, former corporate recruiter, and author of the book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success. We're excited to be bringing you all new content this summer, so mark your calendars for noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific every Thursday, and tune into channel 132 for the latest career tips, job search advice, and market updates. And of course, a big shout out to Dion Simpkins, our engineer, and Dana Cash, our producer, for making the show sound so awesome each week. So we talk about networking just about every show on Dr. Dawn on Careers because of all of the consistent research that shows how successful it is for job seekers, especially when accessing the hidden market or those jobs that may not be advertised publicly, and also for increasing your odds of landing an interview and ultimately receiving an offer. But for all the praise for networking as a strategy to open the door to new opportunities, there lies a dark side. Networking may foster homogeneity within organizations since people tend to refer candidates similar to themselves, and by its nature, a network creates an in-group and an out-group. Today, we're very excited to welcome Meg Garlinghouse, head of social impact at one of my favorite companies, LinkedIn, where she leads the team leveraging the LinkedIn platform to create positive social impact for the world. Meg has nearly 20 years of experience working in the tech and philanthropic sectors, where she also um, was a Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa early in her career and has 10 years building and leading Yahoo's global community relations functions. So we're very excited to have Meg here. She serves on multiple boards, Networking for Good and Volunteer Match because she really knows her stuff in this area. And she's going to help us all understand what the networking gap is, but more importantly, what we can all do to help close it. Meg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So much. Really, really honored, honored to be honored here. To be here. So I, I first had heard about this topic when, um, you know, your former CEO, Jeff Weiner talked about it at Talent Connect. And, um, you know, LinkedIn is the ultimate networking platform. It has over 700 million users around the globe. And, you know, when he talked about this network gap, it really opened my eyes that, that you know what, wow, there's some things we need to do and we have more work to continue in this area. So can you talk about, Meg, what is the networking gap and how is it discovered in um, LinkedIn's platform? Sure, absolutely. So the network gap in its simplest form means it's the advantage that some people have over others based on who they know. And the truth is that who you know actually matters in some cases more than what you know when it comes to getting a job. So 
the network can be either a virtuous or a vicious cycle, depending on which side the network gap that you were, that you're on. And this actually um, first kind of came to light for us as a company when we launched um, a really cool new feature called the job referral button. And this was a couple of years ago and the job referral button on our platform, what it did is if you were applying for a job on LinkedIn, it nudged you and it suggested connections you have at the company where you were applying to, because we know that if you apply for a job on LinkedIn, you get a referral, you are four times more likely to get that job versus a non-referred candidate, four times. So that's great news for people like you and me who have really robust networks, but it's devastating news potentially for a person who might be as or even more qualified, but doesn't have the network they need to get the job they want. So this kind of um, launched a huge effort um, and undertaking at the company to start measuring what that looks like across our platform and being really mindful about every product and feature that we build to make sure that we have an unintentionally created a benefit to network at the cost of the people who may not have a network. And so that is what, as we started to measure it more and more, we started to better understand what the problem was. Because as you know, you can't manage what you can't measure. So the more that we measured it, the more that we, we kind of landed on these three insights that contribute most to your network. One is um, where you grew up. The second is where you went to school. And the third is the company that you work at. And more specifically, um, what we learned is that if you were born and are fortunate to live in a high-income area and go to what we call a top school and work at a top company, you are 12 times more likely to have a strong network than those who were not that fortunate, 12 times. So that's where we kind of landed on this insight. Um, and that's also what kicked off a bunch of things that we're doing about it, which I can go into right now, unless you want me to pause. Yeah, no, I, I, there's definitely um, a number of things. I know that's one of the things I love about this company is that, um, you know, Jeff's message to people who are equally talented should have equal access to opportunities. And as soon as this was discovered, it, you know, there was action taken. And I know one thing was the plus one pledge. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you share this and if there's any success stories. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for um, anchoring on that, what we call our core belief that two people with equal talent should have equal shot at opportunity. Because we actually believe that that's the only way for us to realize our vision of creating economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce. And so the way in which we decided that, um, well, we, we realized that we were the one company that sort of needed to solve the problem. And we were the one company that actually had the tools to be able to address the network gap. Um, so the way in which we have approached it is in three different buckets. Um, we call people, product, and programs. And I'm going to do product and programs first and come back to the people part. So product I already spoke about a little bit. So ensuring that we are building products um, that don't have an unattended bias or consequences, and also that we're building products that make it easier for people to build networks that weren't born into um, communities of opportunity. 
On the program front, we um, there's two things that we do. One is we actually invest internally on a bunch of um, programs that help pull in top talent that maybe didn't go to one of to a top school or come from a top company. We do th this through two different types of apprenticeship programs. And then lastly, on the program front, last year we launched what we call a Network Gap Coalition where we work with five different nonprofit partners who quite frankly have been working on addressing the network gap long before we, we have been. Organizations like Braven, Co-op, Beyond 12, and BASTA, and Year Up. They're, these organizations um, every day work with, in their community, bring in participants and help these high uh, performing individuals get the networks they need to get to the jobs they want. And so we really benefit from these partners who again have much more um, on the grass, grassroots knowledge to make us make enable us to make sure we're doing things as best as we can. But the last thing, that was the, the products and the program. So back to the people part of it. Um, so and let me just back up and, and tell a story of how I kind of a personal awakening for myself. Yeah. That got this, the, this plus one pledge notion. So a couple of years ago, I started taking note of the informational interviews I was doing. And um, during a month, I just decided to literally write down every informational interview. I mean, like you, I'm sure... I get, and lots of people who are probably listening to the show, I get incoming from lots of folks who want to do informational interviews. So I kept track. And in one month, I did, uh, I, I had 21 requests, didn't do them all, but 21 individuals reached out to me. And of those 21, 17 were women. All of them were my first or second degree network. All of them had a four-year college degree or higher. And 100% of them were white. So in other words, I was doing informational interviews with people who looked just like me. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was, you know, the irony was not lost on me that I was unintentionally, you know, contributing to the status quo, to, you know, contributing to the, my own homogenous network, which was antithetical to what I was trying to do in my day job. So I landed on this idea of a, a plus one, that I was still going to help my college roommate's daughter but in addition, I was going to intentionally reach outside my network and make sure I was balancing out with somebody who wasn't necessarily born into the same set of opportunities and didn't look just like me. So that was my commitment to, to plus one. And I announced this at a um, conference I was speaking at in North Carolina. And a woman literally walked up to me as I was stepping off the stage. And she literally said to me, I would love to be your first plus one. I said, great. Her name was Brittany. Brittany. She was a black woman who had an incredible resume and LinkedIn profile, but she was interested in pivoting more specifically into um, the philanthropy or social impact field. She actually had a master's degree, um, but she was not in my network. I had a great conversation with her. I introduced her to a couple different folks who I thought could be helpful. And a couple months later, I got an email from the Obama Foundation with a bunch of job postings, one of which I thought would be perfect for Brittany. So I forwarded on to her and I said, hey, Brittany, I think you'd be great for this. If you're interested, I'd love to refer you. She said she was, I did, and Brittany got the job. And I think what's notable about this specific example is the agency on both parts. This would not have happened if Brittany hadn't walked up to me and said, I'd love to be your first plus one. Um, it also wouldn't have happened if she hadn't followed up immediately um, and engaged. It also wouldn't have happened if I hadn't. Um, taken that next important step and kept Brittany top of mind and kept her in my network as I'm thinking about sourcing opportunities for the right folks. And the last thing I'll say about this example is I now have a fantastic resource 
in connection at the Obama Foundation. So this, this idea of closing the network gap isn't one directional, it's bi-directional. It helps all of us have better, more robust networks that ultimately make the world a better place. Yeah, I love that story, Meg. It just it just has so many aspects of what we talk about in terms of, of networking. I wanna I wanna ask a follow-up question on that, but just really quickly, if you're just joining, we're talking about one of my favorite topics today, networking. But you may not know that it has a dark side. Networking can lead to homogeneity in organizations and unintentional bias in hiring. So we're excited to be here with Meg Garlinghouse, head of social impact at LinkedIn speaking about the network gap and how we can all work together to close it. So, so Meg, I think you, you, you talk about agency and I want to, I want to point that out because yes, we're very much of the mindset here on Dr. Dawn on careers. If you don't ask, you don't get, um, which was great. Brittany did that, but I think, um, a lot of people, struggle because of the work I do helping people to build their brand or even build their LinkedIn profile or, or, or create, um, you know, a professional introduction and, and understand kind of the, the you know, rules of engagement around networking is what can people do if, if they're looking to kind of um, improve those areas? Because I agree that getting connected to new people is step one, but if you don't have that follow through, it's likely it won't go very far. Yeah, great question. And I think um, some tips and tricks specific to the LinkedIn uh, platform that might be helpful um, is first and foremost, like if you are able to get that first um, conversation, and by the way, do not hesitate to reach out to people on LinkedIn, particularly LinkedIn employees who might be more apt to respond. Um, if you get that first conversation, make sure you come prepared. And when I say come prepared, there are a lot of things that you can, information you can get at your fingertips on LinkedIn about the person. Obviously go to their LinkedIn profile, but the other kind of um, secret tip is you can actually go and see what they have been sharing or commenting on on the platform. So then you can reference um, a, an article they read or something you saw that they commented on. And that is a great way to build a relationship with someone that goes from just a transactional connection to actually feeling like somebody is part of a conversation and engaging with you in a meaningful way. And I know um, recently Microsoft and LinkedIn announced a joint campaign um, that's focused on helping 25 million job seekers around the world reskill for new roles in the digital economy. So I know I, I do some LinkedIn learning courses and I know that some of those are now free. Um, I'm, that may be a different part of the organization, but I wanted to point out that, that you know, to tag on to what you said, LinkedIn does have a number of resources that they're really putting their money behind their message. And I love that about what's happening. Um, you know, so, so Meg, how can, um, so organizations use a lot of referral programs and, you know, they do university recruiting. So obviously there's some systemic uh, bias built in and that, you know, furthers maybe this networking gap. What can organizations do differently to address this? Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because um, it turns out referrals are actually, um, one of the most um, biased or the, the, the less diverse um, source of, of uh, referrals because um, the, if you refer to someone you know, it's more likely than not that they actually do look like you. So this whole, you know, this whole initiative around, you know, referrals being your best source of talent, I do think we have to um, debunk that and really be honest about what that looks like. 
Um, and in addition um, to you know, what can, can companies and hiring managers and individuals do is be intentional about how you are going about diversifying your own network. So that when you do, if, if there is still a culture referring, that you're referring people that don't look just like you. So th this is not the easiest thing to do, but the one piece of advice I can give is if you're gonna wake up and do the same thing that you've done every day, you are likely unintentionally contributing to what is a very, very biased system. So you have to wake up every day and intentionally think about ways to reach outside of your network and find people that come from a different situation, experience, or, or community than you do. And this can look at like in a, a couple different ways. I mean, on LinkedIn, there, it, it, there are a lot of ways you can reach out to people and you can oftentimes tell if they come from a different background. In addition, be mindful of you know, the, the types of people that you're spending time with. I mean, now we're not in physical spaces anymore, but even on a Zoom call where you see a face, you can see if someone has, has is someone who comes from a different perspective or experience. So you absolutely have to create so much intention around it because without the intention, you are again unintentionally contributing to um, what is inherently an unfair and biased system. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Graham. And if you want to stay up to date on the latest career and job search news, tips, and advice, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham. Today, we're very fortunate to be speaking with Meg Garlinghouse, Head of Social Impact at LinkedIn, where she leads the team that is leveraging the LinkedIn platform to create positive social impact for the world. So, um, so Meg, I know people are interested to hear that now that Jeff stepped into a new role, um, what, and he's, he's definitely focused on the network gap. What, what is, um, what is kind of his mission around this? He, yeah, he's very, very passionate about this. Um, and he, well, he was the CEO. He helped us, um, resource and initiative um, to help individuals not born in networks get the networks they need. I mean, right now he has stepped out and he actually is spending a, quite a bit of time on the Compassion Project, um, which is helping uh, support and create education curriculum at K through sixth grade courses to make everyone be more empathetic and build compassion, which ultimately is an important component of people being aware of the privileges they're born into and being aware of their role to help address um, some of those, those inherent biases and, and gaps that exist in society. So that is what he's up to. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a fantastic initiative and probably one that's keeping him very busy, especially right now. Yes. Everything happening in the world. So, so you know, Meg, as we wrap up, for people who are listening, who are individuals who say, I don't even know if I'm, you know, I haven't done a, a self-analysis like Meg where I've looked at my network, but I might be contributing to this network gap. What is one thing they can do differently next time they log on to LinkedIn to take a step forward um, to, to closing this network gap? Well, the, the one thing they can do is, um, you know, when and if, I mean, all of us do get um, reached out to people that aren't in our network that we may not know. So be really intentional to which ones of those that you are you are committing to responding to. I mean, I, I am very intentional because what happens um, without the intention of thinking differently is you tend to respond to the people that you know and that look like you. So just create another level of intention and find someone 
who has reached out that you may not have otherwise responded to and decide to do that. And, and look for ways once you do, and don't make it just transactional. I think one of the key things is once you do create a relationship, it's not a one-off. Think about, keep that person in mind as you go about your career and your day and thinking about ways you can connect that person to another person, to a, a resource, to an event. Um, there's a great story about actually a hiring manager um, who, who w- was speaking with a diverse candidate, didn't have the right role for her in, in her role, but kept that person in mind when she saw a new role that came around and was able to make that connection. So it really is about investing in that second step, not just that one-off transaction. Thank you so much, Meg, um, for joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Meg Garlinghouse from LinkedIn, who heads up Social Impact. Meg, where can people learn more about you and your work and the plus one pledge if they want to to get more involved? Great. Well, you're welcome to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, And the other place to go is to social... LinkedIn.com slash social impact, where you can learn more about the network gap and also the plus one pledge. Um, But it's truly such an honor to be on this show. And I so appreciate you driving the conversation about why networks matter so much and that like opportunity networks are not distributed equally, um, but they should and can be if we all, all join in this together to make equity and opportunity and networks more available to everybody. Well said, Meg. I could not have ended the show on a better saying. And thank you. We we definitely promote and talk about LinkedIn and networking a ton on this show. And I know it's helped so many people to land meaningful careers and connect with great people and build great relationships. So thank you for all of the work that you and your teams do to create that opportunity and that platform. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to Dr. Dawn on Careers on SiriusXM channel 132 to stay current with our upcoming shows, get insightful tips on your job search and find out what you need to be doing to manage your career. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Don Graham, and we will see you next time. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 